there, welcome to a new episode of Podrick the Podcast, third season, exploring the multiverse, where I, Maor Sadra, your host and CEO at Incremental, interview thought leaders and industry experts about crazy what-if hypothetical scenarios that will likely never ever happen. In today's episode, I had the privilege of interviewing Tim Koshela, one of the most passionate people about advertising technologies. Tim and I went into the wild scenarios like network targeting, the merger of AppsFlyer and IronSource, and the Apple ad network monetizing third-party apps. I love talking industry talk with Tim. He's extremely smart and thoughtful. Hope you'll enjoy listening to this interview. I'm Aor. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet me. I think we've met enough times, Tim. It's nice that you got a nice microphone. Same as same one as mine. Is it the same one? Is it the Rode NT? I, of course, I have the premium version with a golden, um, with a golden uh, stand. But ah. you can stand on the camera. Okay, cool. I, just, I think we have the same one. We don't really use the video here, so I don't get to see that. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, fun to see you again. Um, thank you very much for joining me in this uh, late afternoon, though I know this is, is like early morning for you because you work 24-7. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Tim, uh, for those that obviously you've been, you've been in our podcast, I think, twice by now. Uh, but for the new listeners, we do get a lot of new listeners. Could you please give an introduction about yourself? Of course, uh, happy to do so. Um, so yeah, my name is Tim. Um, I'm the co-founder and CEO at Kaizen. Uh, what we do at Kaizen is we're an in-house bidder for app developers. At least this is what how we started um, the company four and a half years ago. Um, but I think we've evolved a bit beyond that. We're probably the most powerful self-serve DSP platform in the market um, for mobile advertisers, uh, I should say. I think in the desktop space, there are slightly bigger companies like the Trade Desk um, still outperforming us in terms of size and scale. Um, no, but uh, jokes aside, yeah, I think that's uh, what we do. Um, we empower a lot of different types of mobile advertisers to buy in-app inventory programmatically and optimize for their goals, mostly performance goals. How many bid requests does Kaizen see today? Like a day? Um, yeah, we see about 200 billion ad requests a day. We estimate that there is um, probably twice the amount of ad requests in the market. However, um, when, one thing you have to see is that there's so much duplication that if you just go down to the net ad requests, if you remove all that duplication, um, we're probably, um, it's more like 20 billion a day or maybe 40 billion a day or so globally. Um, the thing is that the way the, the ad waterfalls are set up and the mediations are set up just create a lot of duplication in the market. So that inflates the number of ad requests over the true number of potential impressions. Cool. And then um, like being in a programmatic space, is it's really a lot about targeting, right? Um, yes, it's about targeting. It's always about knowing the right value for the right impression. Um, it is uh, interesting to see how efficient pricing in the market is in the ad pricing. Um, it goes well beyond uh, what is like consumable by human brain, by the amount of information that goes into price and ad impression. And uh, yeah, that's uh, what we do. We build efficient and effective machine learning behind the scenes as well that um, prices the ad impressions 
for our advertisers. Cool. It's going to help us kind of like reach the first question. But before going into the first question, so again, kind of like a reminder of the concept of this third series of our podcast. So in this series, we decided we're going to go into hypotheticals, like things that are very, very not likely to happen. So it makes the whole conversation like not have to be based on facts because it's based on our own opinions, your opinions. And this is pretty much like the essence. I invite people who I know who are like thought leaders who are experts in this industry and kind of throw in crazy hypotheticals and see what they come up with. Okay. Love it. Yeah. No one needs to really prepare for this. Let's just make sure, but you never know, you know, it, it might happen. Um, so we were talking about kind of like, again, the, what goes into a bid request and what data points like help. Let's go for the crazy hypothetical. What if device data would actually include a person's net worth? As part of the bid request, what would that mean? What would that do to the space? Yeah. Um, so it's actually not too far away of a thought, um, because if we look at today, how efficiently ad impressions are priced already, we see an extreme discrepancy between cheap and expensive impressions. And we see that obviously that like an ad impression in, I don't know, Nigeria, is tends to be much cheaper than in the US. Of course, that's common sense. But even if I look at ad impressions coming out of New York from the same app on the same day for the same ad unit on the same type of device, I may still see a very different um, pricing point for this, which basically just proves that the market is good at differentiating pricing for different users already. And now if you take that a level further, of course, um, if, 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 if there was such a thing as a signal in the ad request, hey, this is kind of Jeff Bezos or this is like Bill Gates, um, it's, it's an interesting thought. I think it would just um, kind of explode that concept further to have like outliers um, to the high side. Um, I think it would bring different kind of advertisers to the table that would suddenly consider mobile advertising a super interesting channel. Think about people that sell like high-priced insurances or high-priced um, goods like expensive cars, yachts, airplanes, um, or just luxury goods like Louis Vuitton. Um, those guys, they, they tend to not advertise in channels like mobile at all. Um, they'd rather pull up like billboards at airports and things like that. If they could actually target high net worth people, I'm pretty sure they would do that. Um, it just makes sense for luxury goods. So you would bring a, a whole set of new um, advertisers into the mix. But I think for publishers, they won't make that much more money because those impressions are going to be so scarce that um, there's just not so much volume on these high-priced impressions that it will move the needle much for a publisher to earn more money. Um, do you think it would... So maybe a couple of thoughts there. Um... Now I'm going to start from a different direction. So Eric Sufert has this, like, I think, series of articles where he says the words, um, everything is an ad network. And I think we've seen it. We've seen a lot of, like, retail media. Uh, we've seen companies that have, like, enormous amounts of first-party data, even not enormous. Sometimes it's just having unique first-party data saying, you know what, we can also monetize it with ads. Um, and if, essentially, like, wouldn't we be able to actually see something like this happening so you know you have a ton of fintech companies you, you have a ton of like e-wallet uh, apps there you have a lot of like publishers today that actually have access to a person's net worth or at least like 
to an understanding of uh, a person's disposable income and ability to actually segment and target these users. So if I, think, we, yep. I think one challenge is where are these users spending their time, right? Um, and can you actually target them where they spend their time with ads? And of course, everyone kind of spends time with apps like WhatsApp and the typical World Gardens and has maybe a Gmail app and a Gmail calendar and things like that. But those platforms will not allow you to do that level of targeting on their platforms. Um, so um, then if you look at the normal ad inventory that the mobile in-app world lives off, which is full screen in-app ads in apps like at best Duolingo, at worst some weird hyper casual game that just came out of the oven. Um, I don't think a lot of the high net worth people spend too much time on that. Um, just they have, yeah, they, they don't have that need for entertainment maybe as the average population has. So I think that's a, that would be one of the constraints. Um, can you target them by just sending them an email if you know their email address? Sure. And I think that's happening. Like those email address lists knowingly or unknowingly are certainly being traded in some way. But, you know, if you think about it, so like 15 years ago, the, the concept of premium was, I don't know, advertising on Financial Times or Yahoo Finance or something like that. That was the concept of premium. Um, in, in today's world, let's let's face it, like the, the same people, um, people with high or low net worth are often using Candy Crush. They're also sometimes they're also playing maybe not a hyper casual game that just came out of the oven, but they might be playing like hyper casual games that have been around for a year and so on. Now, yeah. yeah, it depends, I think, on how, what you, where you set the threshold for high net worth. Um, I guess self-made billionaires um, probably don't, <laughs> but um, a, a pretty wealthy person with a net worth of one to $10 million, um, maybe having inherited uh, a bunch of money from private previous generations, um, maybe more likely to to be found <laughs> playing. Again, if you go back to kind of like your previous answer, so in your opinion, is it the like brands who will be attracted to now advertising on mobile that would be the like a change that this additional ad signal would bring? Yeah, I think there would be um, advertisers that would be uh, attracted to mobile advertising that are currently not um, attracted to it. Anyone who's hunting for high net worth people. And I think um, we should not confuse that with the potential for users to monetize because I personally don't believe that just because somebody's high net worth, they may be a big whale for a game, right? Because maybe they're, they just, they want to buy things that they consider a good, good value for money. And maybe a Louis Vuitton bag at 10 K euros is good value for money for them. <laughs> Um, but maybe like buying something for three ninety nine in a game is not good value for money for them because they don't consider that a good bargain. So, um, yeah, I think I think um, high net worth doesn't necessarily mean well monetizing users for games. What do you think could increase the chances of this like happening? Okay, this hypothetical means net worth is now added to ad signal. Um. I think it could be as simple as, um, I think it could happen today with the current infrastructure. So if you have email address of a high net worth individual 
and uh, you use systems that have like matching tables for um, email address, hashed email to device ID, ID then uh, then you get, get it. You could actually do it today um, if such an email database exists. Um, yeah, I think an interesting thought around this was there was this app a couple of years ago that would do nothing but just be on your screen and make cost me, a thousand dollars. Make me rich or or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, yeah, think... I think it was called Make Me Rich. Um, I think Apple closed it because the app ha like did nothing. It really so did it... nothing then showing off that you can afford to buy an app for a thousand dollars that does nothing. It's <laughs> just yeah. crazy. By uh, the way, I'm pretty sure that the people who actually bought it were not people of high net worth. Uh, yeah, probably of decent, but not that high. They wanted to seem richer than they are. It's yeah. It's um, yeah. So I think that app could have sold their install base. Like just what's the device IDs of the users that have installed this app would be a great <laughs> targeting signal. Um, okay, so Tim, let's jump to another question. Okay, this one is, is hypothetical but I think it's more likely than the other ones. Um, what if one of the biggest ad networks out there, let's say Unity and Ironsource combine Unisource or Iron T, I don't know how they are gonna call the like merge asset, but let's go for the crazy hypothetical where they tomorrow announce, hey, we are merging with AppsFlyer. Yeah, well, it's not so crazy hypothetical if we look at what has happened in the past, right? with uh, AppLovin buying Adjust. Uh, so we've had exactly that scenario, one of the largest mobile ad companies buying the second largest MMP. Now this time it would be one of the largest mobile ad companies buying the largest MMP. Um, <laughs> so uh, not that crazy. I think with how vocal um, Orin has been, like the CEO of AppsFlyer about um, staying independent and eventually going IPO, it is rather unlikely to happen unless they are in a deep need to do so. Or he resigns at some point in the future and some other CEO takes over and has a different agenda. Um, yeah, that's kind of about the likelihood. But let's say if it would happen, um, it's an interesting question. We could first look at what happened actually to AppLovin and Adjust. And uh, I haven't dug so deep into it. Um, of course, on the surface, these companies remain rather independent in how they operate. Um, but um, yeah, I think uh, I'm not in a position to make a judgment on that. Um, I don't have any in insider information either. But um, I think it would be sad for the market because there would suddenly be not uh, any large-scale independent MMP. Um, and if you, if you go back like five, six years, seven years, eight years, actually both Facebook and Google tried to establish their own attribution solutions in the market for free, right? For free. So it was a, a, at the time it was very much seen as a risk that advertisers may move to these free solutions and the market for independent MMPs would die. And thanks God it didn't um, because it, it remained, it kept the market fair and independent, the measurement. And we have lost a little bit of that independence with uh, Applov and buying Adjust. But um, if Unity, Iron Source buy 
Appsflyer or merge with Appsflyer, um, then we would have lost a big piece of independence um, in the market. Yeah, but it would maybe give rise to other companies that are in second row, like Singular. But then, but then if you think about it, so like take a iOS today, basically the the biggest like MMP on iOS is Apple, SKAD network. They are doing the attribution. Uh, that's true. Um, on the other end, uh, it's not what advertisers use to optimize their marketing spend. <laughs> of course, they use incremental most of the no, time. No, no, no. But uh, putting yeah. putting incremental aside and, and like just thinking of the actual like um, um, user based attribution, it's it's now happening by SKAD network. Yes, like companies are keeping their MMP. Like most companies kept their MMP, of course, for for even for iOS because like. Like their MMP are managing their schema and so on. But if tomorrow companies could pay a fraction of the cost to get the same schema management, most companies wouldn't really need to keep an MMP. For iOS. Yeah. And and Google is going towards the same direction. Um, kind of. Yes. It's an interesting thought. Um, I think um, the MMPs still have a very interesting business as like marketing analytics companies. And I think there is a strong need for their solutions regardless. Um, just because I don't think Apple and also not Google will try to do a best job at serving customers with good attribution. They will have the the systems like the behind the scenes systems that they do the attribution. But the the user interface, the service behind it, the analytics you get, um, they are all valuable. Um, yeah, maybe it's not worth paying like a hundred grand a year for that anymore. So pricing may come under pressure. Uh, but that's a different question. Yeah, uh, what happens to MMPs if if Google goes the same way as Apple does? But I think um, I, I I personally believe that MMPs continue to have a pretty good market for this by the way you know i had a, i had a i had an interview like a podcast interview with john kutsir from singular i think last week and i actually asked him a different hypothetical what if apple buys an mmp and like i think we all we both at least agree that that is a very likely scenario like maybe it's not as likely today because maybe they would have done it already but apple buying an mmp or google buying an mmp to essentially like, hey, here's like the attribution you're used to. Now it's just part of my stack would actually make a lot of sense. Yep. Uh, yes and no. I think there is in the ecosystem of an MMP, there is so much value put to independence from all the different ecosystem partners, be that ad channels, be that the operating system owners, um, be that... Um, be that like other integration integration partners that they work with. So if that independence goes lost, um, I still think that a lot of the um, value proposition of using an MMP, because they, even after like getting access to all the data, um, even if you have like raw log export, you still have to put a big leap of faith into your MMP doing a good job at doing what they do. And if you, if you start to question that, then, um, yeah, I I don't see kind of <laughs> I, I think there is a lot of value to independence. And then when you you know, when we go back into the uh, likelihood of again an upslayer and an iron source unity merging, where would you put that? You know, zero to a hundred percent. the likelihood? Um ten to twenty percent. And and again, what could increase the chances? I think you kind of mentioned it earlier, but yeah, maybe a, a CEO change, maybe 
some something that disrupts their business and puts a stronger need to do that. Maybe seeing in the market that Adjust and Ablovin together leverage a lot of value and getting pressure from investors and say, hey, putting this together actually creates a lot of value. We got to do that as, as well. Uh, but I don't see that at the moment. I don't think that putting Adjust and Ablovin together has brought a lot of um, synergies in terms of um, revenue synergies. I mean, there's some cross-selling happening, etc. But I think also there's a lot of customers that have walked away from um, Adjust because they uh, they were concerned about the independence. And I just don't think, like, where would that go with all the partners of uh, of AppsFlyer, right? All the ad partners. Like, yeah. I mean, we see that a little bit with Adjust that uh, companies are more concerned working with them, I think. Um, I think on the, on the advertiser side, I get it. And yes, I, I know some, some like, um, like some advertisers switched MMP, not too many, but some did. But like from the media vendor side who is used to getting their post back from adjusts, it's not like they really have another option. Like you can't really say to your customer, hey, well, now adjust is owned by my competitor. So no, I want to get my post backs from AppsFlyer. Mm. Mm. No, uh, that's true. Like it's not, there is no option to not work with them. It's not that you have the choice as a, as a media channel. No, you have to work with them one way or the other. Um, I agree. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting thought. I think, I mean, Iron Source and Israel and AppsFlyer are both Israel based, uh, headquartered companies. So, um, there would be a lot of like immediate synergy and putting the teams together. Um, there's probably also company cultures are not too different, um, of these companies in their own way. Um, I think, by the way, the company cultures of Adjust and Applovin are fundamentally different, and that may have created a lot of friction internally, I would imagine. Um, almost like I think Unity and Iron Source have very different company cultures, <laughs> and I'm, I'm pretty sure that creates a lot of friction as well. Um, but yeah, um, the only thing with, with Adjust that uh, I would say puts a bit, bit of faith uh, into that is still that the company is effectively European entity uh, and and under the legislation of, uh, uh, well, specifically of Germany, but within the European Union. So I think there is more um, confidence that I would have personally that things like data privacy and data security and so on are actually taken um, uh, um, seriously, just because I know that the MDs of companies in Europe, if they don't respect that, can go to jail for a very long time. So if you're the MD, you want to make sure you're not going to jail. Yeah, it's not just a fine in Germany. I remember that very well. It's more than just a fine potentially. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay, uh, we still have time for another question. So I'm going to throw in another crazy hypothetical at you, uh, which is, what if Apple decides to essentially go into the game and say, hey, we're also offering a third-party uh, apps monetization SDK. So we're going to have our own ad network and we're going to mo monetize with display, interstitial, video, beyond just search, anyone who wants to participate in our ad network, basically. Nice, nice. I would say déjà vu. It's <laughs> there. <laughs> Back to 2010. <laughs> Um, in fact, yes, um, I'm, I'm sure you know that, but Apple 
did acquire a company uh, called Quattro Wireless, if I recall correctly, which was exactly that, a mobile ad network. Just that at the time, they were not just an iOS ad network, they were just an ad network altogether. And iOS was just a small fraction of the, of the market. Um, and they didn't do well. And they closed it. And they burned 450 million or something like that. And now 10 years later, they rediscovered that mobile advertising may actually be an interesting business to engage in. And boom, uh, they refocused uh, their investments. Um, so I would say somebody at Apple didn't have good vision on imagining what mobile advertising could look like back then in 2010. Otherwise, they would have hold on or held on to that, I guess. Um, yeah. So what would happen? Um, I think for um, developers, it would be probably a default integrated SDK, you know, just like you build with Unity, you have Unity ads in there, click off a button, you're probably going to do it. Um, I think the first hurdle for Apple would be, will you be accepted to be mediated by companies like Max or Level Play or Google Ad Manager? Because if you if you cooperate and publishers can just integrate you in the mediation, you kind of lose your uniqueness to a certain extent. If you don't cooperate, you will have to show a lot of value to convince a publisher to just use Apple um, ads instead of setting your whole mediation and making a parallel auction among all the buyers at the same time and max your fill and CPM. So, in a nutshell, I think the market entry barrier, even though it would be easy for Apple to distribute it, is probably not that low as it may seem like um, to begin with. Yeah, I also wouldn't see Apple like essentially competing against, uh, I don't know, um, an Iron Source SDK. And again, it's not that they couldn't. They could, obviously, if they wanted to. They have the technology. They have the ability to do that. But um, essentially to, to become really like an ad network, an ad tech player is far away from what they want to do. At least that's what I think. So, yeah. And I think it's not in their DNA. Um, I mean, I wouldn't, I would say the DNA and the culture of Apple is quite the opposite of what you need to be a successful advertising company. Apple is not very, a, I mean, not very adapting, fast adapting, um not very hustler like um not very customer centric when it comes to b2b relationships right customer centric when it comes to user relationships for sure um in advertising is quite the opposite right i mean <laughs> let's be honest which ad company cares about the user um if they would you wouldn't see all these horrible ad experiences with uh, delayed close buttons and triple end cards and <laughs> everything that we see in the market Yet they care a lot about B2B relations and host nice dinners and invite people to fancy villas and whatnot. And Apple would be quite the opposite. Um, so how do you get that under your hood in one company? I think one way Apple could make this fly is just by creating some, by explo exploiting some monopoly power and creating unfair advantages, just the way they do it already with uh, search ads and with the whole, um, um, yeah, um, removal of IDFAs. So what what if they would do things like, hey, um, we have all these, uh, this uh, Apple Pay data, we know exactly what you buy with your credit card every single morning. 
and that you always buy the the Starbucks coffee for like five ninety nine and not the one for four ninety nine, and that you add like an extra dose of sugar um, <laughs> to your to your coffee. So I mean, literally, it's scary how much. Data... By the way, this goes back to the first question: net worth. So yeah, so they could exactly. So they could have that exactly. So. Um, now, if they would make this uh, available implicitly or explicitly for advertisers only through their own ad network, that could attract a lot of demand. But I think it would attract demand beyond the current demand in the market. I think it would be incremental demand to a certain extent, because suddenly you would again see those like Louis Vuitton and, 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 and Mercedes and whatnot advertisers. They would have a reason to advertise on mobile now because they can assure that they target the users that they want. And for sure, again, so when you think about it, so Apple search ads, for example, doesn't work with SKA network because they claim, well, this is our first party data. So we're allowed to do things that the market can't. Okay. So while again, it's not like they're accessing IDFA, they have like the ability to do their own attribution and first party attribution and almost again, self-reporting platform like Facebook used to be and like Google used to be on iOS. But here, again, Apple will obviously have the first-party data. You're right by you, you saying that they have access to your your like Apple Pay and everything else you have on your device. Honestly, I, they could use Face ID for targeting. Uh, who knows? Um, and target based on and facial expression and mood. Um, so given the fact that they're like, they would have this first-party data and everything they like have in their disposal, even if they would say, hey, if you want to work with our SDK for monetization, it's exclusive. It means you can't have Max, you can't have Iron Source, you can't have anything else. It's me or nothing. I would still claim they would become like, you know, an overnight success. Mm, but you would have to have, need to have all the demand and you need to have the systems that put that demand uh, the right way in place. And I think this is a lot about, for example, having also enough open budget demand that fills and having the history of machine learning that makes this work. You could argue that Apple has a lot of data, but I think it's a hell out of a different task to make this data work on a display video interstitial ad uh, than uh, compared to making it work when you just have it in your search, your own app store search, and you know that people searching for um, match three game may like a match three game. That's not that, <laughs> that much of a rocket science, I think. Um, but knowing that without the person searching for a match three game that they may like one could be a hell lot of a different challenge. So building this up, I think has to be just with any network business model, it requires that kind of balance of demand, supply, demand, supply, and you kind of step by step build it in a balanced way. And if you would from one night from like overnight switch to Apple um, as, a, as a publisher, I don't think they would have the demand to fill your supply better than the market does today, even if they had more data. What's the likelihood of this happening? The IED 2.0? Some sort of IED 2.0, I would say larger 50%. Okay. Cool. Some sort. Now, how how that exactly happens yeah but monetizing third-party inventory with an apple ads sdk maybe in a very exclusive way maybe initially only for apps like netflix and hulu something like that quite likely i would say
Yeah, I would probably imagine again, if it would happen, it would happen with like extremely high premium, well-kept um, Disney-like and Netflix-like, even though again, both Disney and Netflix launched ads-free. Uh, like, sorry, like, yeah. Um, um, subscription with ads, subscription without ads. It's not doing super well right now, but I think that's more related to the like economic times we're in. But I'm pretty sure over the long run, like, the uh, ads based on Netflix and ads based on Disney Plus will actually be a reasonable size of their subscription uh, subscription base. Yeah, quite possible. So, Tim, um, thank you very much for your um, uh, well thought opinions. Um, I always like again to go into these almost philosophical um, questions because again, likelihood is well other than the last one, relatively low. Um, yeah, so it's been fun. You know, I hope that somebody will quote us on this in five years <laughs> and say, hey, they predicted it. I had one with um, TikTok and Snapchat be emerging together into SnapTok or TikSnap or StopTik, something like that. That could happen, you know. I think we got to work on the name. Yeah, yeah, probably. Also, the what was it? Iron Source Unity. I Unity. Uni. Unisource. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can also work on that one. Absolutely. Cool. So thank you so much. Have a nice evening. Bye-bye, Maor. Bye.